Can I get a oh yeah? Welcome to Podcast My Brand, where we help you launch your branded podcast, get better at the craft of podcasting, grow your audience, and make cash from your show. I'm your host, Elsie, the mayor of Podcast Town. Let's get to it. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. All right, so this is a special episode, special for a number of reasons, but because I have Chris here. Chris, we like to get right to the meat and potatoes, but before we get to those said meat and potatoes, can I get an oh yeah? I'm, I'm a big wrestling fan, so I'm going to give you the macho man. Oh yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. Tell me about your podcast. Man, so podcast was originally launched as called uh, Entrepreneur Hour. And it was just an amalgamation of conversations that I was having in the real world. I was in the middle of growing a multi-million dollar startup from my college apartment. And I'm like, why am I not recording these conversations? They're so powerful. So we did. And within a matter of two weeks, we were trending top five uh, in the world on iTunes and new and noteworthy under business, health and education. So that's how we got our start. It's now called Startup You Podcast. But at that time, it was called Entrepreneur Hour. So what made you change the name? I really, I had this vision, man. When I was going through that first startup build, I just realized, man, they don't teach you how to do this shit in college, right? And I, I found myself constantly being like, oh, if I'd known that six months ago, it would have saved me time and money and hassle and headache and heartache. So I wanted to start a school for entrepreneurs. So when actually that became reality, you know, creating paid programs and teaching people marketing and sales and running an organization and all these various things, it just needed to kind of tie into that. So startup you like university just made a lot of sense. And then having brand consistency across all of our mediums just really tied together. So that that's why there wasn't anything wrong with that name. I love that name. Just made sense for what we're doing in terms of our deliverables. One of the questions I always like to ask because I get so many different answers is there's this thing I call podcast rain. Podcast rain is when something happens to you, for you, or through you because of your podcast. Can you give me one example of some podcast rain that has happened for you? So realistically, I know a lot of people don't think about these kind of things or haven't experienced these kind of things, but I've made hundreds of thousands of dollars through the relationship, relationships, plural, that I've built with the podcast. I've created direct affiliate partners. I've made tremendous friends. It's been my networking power tool. And so when you say rain, you know, directly, I think about the monetary aspect, but dude, I've got invaluable relationships that I leverage all the time in their symbiotic relationships we've created just through that medium alone. You have this thing that I called ROR, return of relationship. And I think that yeah. what you're you're talking about is in business, that is your currency, the relationships yeah. that you build and, and, and cultivate. And if you think about it, the conversations and the people that I've had on my show, like I look at it and I don't even believe it at this point. Like, honestly, that's a true statement. People that during my first build, I would have been like, they were just totally inaccessible. I read their books. I followed them online. But the fact that I've had their one-on-one attention and I now have relationships with many of them, the Damon Johns, the Barbara Corcoran's, the Grant Cardone's, the Guy Kawasaki's, Jack Canfield, legend Jack Canfield, right? And the list goes on and on and on. And I hate naming names because I genuinely forget about people that have been on my show that are like just tremendous caliber people. And it's impossible. To, you know, it's like when you're, you, you win an award and you're saying thank you to all the people. You feel bad because you're like, I know I'm going to leave somebody out, right? That I hate them to leave out. But yeah, man, that would not have happened if it weren't for the podcast. That was my tool to be like, hey, I have this thing, this asset that you can leverage for yourself, but we can also connect. And there's just no other capacity. Like, how would I have emailed those people 
and had their one-on-one attention to that degree. It just wouldn't have happened, right? In any other media, it just would not have happened. So it's it's powerful. You mentioned it just as powerful as currency. I mean, I could not say it better. That's the perfect way to describe it. How do you get better as a podcaster? Because a lot of people don't realize that it's actually a craft. So I'm a big believer. I'm a big growth mindset. I love Dr. Carol Dweck and her work around growth versus fixed mindset. It's a powerful read, specifically for those that think that they're inherently not whatever, right? I'm not a salesperson. I'm not an extrovert, so I can't be on camera or all these various false misnomers that we tell ourselves. Uh, fundamentally, it's just not true. So from a growth mindset perspective, when I started out, dude, I was sitting in my closet and because, you know, I didn't have a good microphone, I blue snowball. So the reverb was just crazy out of vaulted ceiling apartment. So it just didn't work out. So I'm literally sitting there in my shorts and no shirt, like with my little laptop and my snowball mic recording. And it was terrible. And I actually sent it to one of my good buddies that I know will shoot me straight. And he's like, yeah, man, have you considered like drinking coffee or something before you record? Like, and, and it was just, it was hard for me to get to 10 minutes of things to say. I think people hear me now, and I'm not saying I'm Joe Rogan by any stretch or somebody that can just carry on a conversation for hours. However, I have the opposite problem now. Now I'm like, how can I be more concise? Because I'll say a lot of things for an hour, but am I really being concise and constructive and giving people actionable advice? Bottom line is this, if you're gonna do this and do it well, and this is for anything, this is for business or anything else, you've got to find a few people you identify with that you like their style, you kind of feel like is elements that you can borrow, not steal, borrow, big difference. Then you've just got to practice and you've got to push through. Most, I think it's something like over 80% of podcasts will pod fade, meaning they just, they don't like announce they're stopping for some reason. They just stop doing it before like 20 episodes. So, and that's 80% of the ones that are submitted to, to Apple, right? For Apple podcasts. People just aren't pushing through that tough part of something being new. You don't go out there and just start playing golf and you're playing like Tiger Woods the first week you play golf. It takes years of practice. And so I think, A, we need to be consumers of what we do, right? Immerse yourself in the podcasting space. You'll learn a lot of things from that lens, right? More strategic lens versus just consuming things, not having that context of you're also having a podcast. And then just literally just saying, I know I'm going to suck, but today I'm going to suck a little bit less. And eventually you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I'm actually decent. And people are telling me I'm pretty decent at doing this. So I know it's maybe boring advice, but find a couple people. Rogan is a huge inspiration for me. There's also several others that I follow that I really like how they conduct their show. Borrow elements from that and then just keep practicing uh, your your craft. What are some of those elements that you like? A lot of people have said things like uh, the research that you do b- before a guest comes on the show or uh, being able to ask better questions. So what are some of the things that you found you've implemented or borrowed uh, that have made you a better podcaster? It's a phenomenal question. It's really important. I would say one of the major big breakthrough moments for me was it doesn't have to be perfect, right? I feel like some people they're so worried about saying ums and ahs or like, oh my God, if there's like even two seconds of silence, they're going to like shit their pants and just leave and run out of the room, right? It, visual, right? That doesn't happen. And so what I learned a lot from Rogan is they're just hanging out. I mean, with just people he's never met before, it's he's really good at just making a really relaxed, comfortable environment that anybody can just tune in and get really good value. It's just a conversation between two people. It's harder when you're solo. I found that it's harder when you're solo. So just practice. One of the things I'm doing now is I feel really uncomfortable going live. I don't know why. It's just, I see those numbers of people dropping off and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not being interesting enough. I'm being boring. And they drop, and it's kind of awkward. So for example, for people that are watching, not li- or, or listening, not watching rather, I've got two monitors here. I've got them split out. So I've got L's, I've got LZ here and I've got my, the prep notes you sent me here and I've got my camera here. Here's the deal. I'm looking at a lens. 
that's very impersonal. I'm not like creating a relationship with this camera, right? But so it's really hard to be the full person that you can be or have that connection with this, literally this object that's in front of me. So it's very unnatural. The bottom line is, is you've got to get to the point where you're comfortable with just understanding that people, when it's buttoned up and structured and really professional, sometimes that's not what resonates with people. You come across as unrelatable, but when you're just yourself and you just show up as you are and you talk the way you do in the real world and you don't change or modify anything, maybe you turn up the volume a little bit, that really resonates with a lot of people. The second thing is this, and this will help you too. So I mentioned podcasts that give you inspiration. It's also good to consume other podcasts as well or analyze experiences that you have when you do guesting, like what I'm doing right now on your show, LZ. The reason being is I've had some really bad experiences, not not all, but some bad experiences where people don't send you questions in advance or it's the same rinse and repeat stuff where I can tell they didn't actually look into who I was or the value that I could deliver to the show. They knew nothing about my health journey or my business builds or anything that I'm doing whatsoever. And so it just limits the degree of conversation that you can actually have with people, right? So that really changed things a lot. We're even coming up with three to four questions that are unique to that specific person. It really changes the conversation. And in fact, some of the relationships that I built with those mentors that I cited, the people that have bigger names that have been on my show, it came from the fact that they recognized and appreciated that I did my research to understand what was different or a, a unique twist of a conversation we could have when everybody else is just asking the same rinse and repeat stuff over and over again. So huge things. Again, I mentioned analyzing things from an inspiration standpoint, but also analyze things from a standpoint of like, I don't like this. I don't like that it feels fake. I don't like that they feel phony. I don't like that it's the same questions every time. And it could be totally different for you. But again, it just comes down to who am I? Craft that avatar profile character, right? Who am I? What are What's unique about me? What, what helps me as a person cut through the noise? I'm no BS. I cut through the noise. I tell you what's going to work. I tell you what's not going to work. And people appreciate that about me. Whether the truth sometimes is hard to hear, but I give it to you regardless, right? So that's really popular. And that's something that I borrow from a lot of people, specifically like a guy like Rogan. Like he's going to tell you like it is. But then also I analyze things that I don't like and I make sure that I'm making sure that I avoid that. So I'm resonating with my audience in that regard because I know people get tired of that. I know people get tired of the rinse and repeat same questions over and over again thing. Very, 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 with three varies, great advice. Thank you for that. Chris, do you enjoy trivia? I love trivia. I'm not great at it, but I love it. Well, we'll, we'll see about that here in a second. Oh, goodness. All right. Runs Podcast Town. All right, we're going to do something a little bit different this episode, Chris. I'm going to give you two trivia questions, and you are going to give me the correct answer, I think. All right. I hope. Hopefully. So here's the first trivia question. What microphone is rumored to have been used to record the Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson Thriller album. I already knew that. It's the one I'm using, the Shure SM7B. Very impressive. I don't know what how to feel about that. All right, let me let me give you a, a second one here. Yeah, let's go. What does L U F S stand for? L U F S or Luffs. What does it stand for? I don't even have a guess for what that stands for. <laughs> that's a complete new one to me. And I, and I know a lot of acronyms, so that's a new one for me. No idea. What is it? Loudness units full scale. 
Mm, I would have never guessed that. It is it's what most podcasts are mastered to, I guess, if you could use that word. Very good. One out of two ain't bad. We're, we're one out of two. I can dig. <laughs> as long so, as I'm not shooting free throws with that percentage, then we're yes. good. <laughs> we'll, 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 in baseball, I'm killing it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, all about perspective, right? <laughs> yep. So one of the questions that I get often, maybe all the time, that every podcaster on the face of the planet wants to know. Yep. How do you grow an audience? The first thing you have to analyze is why are you trying to grow? That's really important because, and I talk about this all the time, we have all fallen into what I call Gary V syndrome. I love Gary Vaynerchuk. I think Gary is a phenomenal voice for entrepreneurship space and creating content and all these various things that are really powerful. However, there's people that have taken his advice and they've taken it about vanity metrics. It's just, I say that creating content now is the digital equivalence of build it and they will come back in the day, right? Like, oh, I'm a good cook. So I'm gonna open a restaurant and they'll come because I'm a good cook. No, no, no. You've got to figure out how you're going to attract people to this product, right? That you're offering. And you've got to think about that strategically. You can't just keep making food and expecting people to come because you're good at doing it. So a lot of people right now, they're creating content for the sake of it. They want more downloads because they can say they made more downloads. Question is this, is that leading to growing your email list? Is that leading to you making more money? And you may not have a product or a service that requires large numbers. I'm going to challenge you on this. So listen, my, that, my first build, I mentioned multi-million dollar company for my college apartment combined between Facebook and Twitter, right? This was pre, this was 2012, 2013. So this was pre-Instagram, pre a lot of the platforms now. So primarily Facebook and Twitter. We had 1,300 combined followers, you know, followers, you know, whatever, people that were following those, those platforms, those mediums. Total, and we were making, we were valued at $7.2 million. We were generating millions of dollars a year. So this idea or this impression that you have to have a lot just for the sake of having a lot is totally false. In fact, even another example, um, some friends of ours, the podcast guy or the membership guys rather, they get about 4,000 downloads a month, which is good. It's above average. It's not tremendous. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be ranking top 100 under, under Apple podcasts. They have a multi six figure, very healthy business. They're making crazy money because it's a niche following that doesn't require a lot more than just the 4,000 people of really uh, avid fans, super fans of what they do. So you need to figure out what do I actually need to make my business make sense? How am I using my podcast? So for example, one of the things that I'm doing with my podcast is podcasts are terrible for discoverability. They just are because they're not search platforms. I prefer to use and put most of my effort into search platforms first, and then I nurture my audience with my podcast. So when you're analyzing your holistic marketing strategy, you need to figure out what's going to draw people in. How are people going to find me? And then how am I going to continue to nurture those people to develop those touch points I need to eventually sell them a product? So for me, in that holistic marketing profile strategy, podcasting is not in the top search aspect of what I'm doing. However, what I do know is this, that long form discussions that I'm creating allows people to develop a relationship with me that they probably don't get otherwise in a five minute YouTube video, or they don't get from me when they read one of my blogs or find one of my pins on Pinterest, which are all search platforms. So you've got to figure out why do I want more downloads? Do I need more downloads to begin with? And then where does it fit in my holistic marketing strategy? Because I'm all about marketing psychology. What I just walked you through is marketing psychology. It's analyzing why am I doing the shit that I'm doing, not just doing it for the sake of doing it. So walk through that and where does it fit in that strategy that you have and how does it impact your business? That is a fantastic, wonderful answer. Thank you for that. And guys, that's free. We're not even charging you for that, uh, <laughs> that advice. It'll save you a lot of time. There's a lot of people going down the rabbit hole of more subscribers and more reviews and all these other things. And it really comes down to 
First of all, are you repurposing that? All the stuff that you've talked about, you need. You could literally take an hour conversation on a podcast, right? Assuming an hour, assuming it's a solo show, you could take clips of that micro content to repurpose on social media. Most people are just putting out content. It lives for a week, right? Or not even in some cases. And then it's never repurposed again. No one ever sees or hears of it again. You're just throwing it out into the abyss and hoping something happens as a result of it. So it really matters. Where are you going to send people from that podcast? Who are you talking to? Are they already customers? Are they... There's too many people doing things. There's not enough people thinking about the reason they're doing things. And I think that's the over-encompassing message that I want to send to people. Absolutely. Um, so when you think about value that you get from your show, we talked about return on relationship or ROR um, a little bit earlier, but what are some other ways that you get value from your podcast? Uh, the first one is I learn like crazy, man. I'm always picking up stuff from people, not unlike yourself, where they're doing something that I find is really beneficial for me, not just from a podcasting perspective, from a business perspective as well. So I, I feel like it's constantly uh, mentoring with people. And a lot of the questions I ask, they're kind of a little bit selfish. You know, like I want to know, like I'm curious, which is a huge pro tip, by the way, if you have an interview platform, like lean into your curiosity, because then if you're actually genuinely interested, you're not just asking questions because that's your list of questions that you ask, right? So that's a big, that's a really big one. Uh, the second thing too is, and I mentioned this previously, but I want to restate it because it's important, is it's an opportunity for you to send either people that are considering being a customer or your current customers. It's one thing, you got about a week, right? When people join your email list, you got about a week to go from, wow, I'm really excited about this thing, whatever, you know, whatever it is that I join your email list for, to like, oh, this is just some guy that's showing up and now it's in my spam inbox. So for me, I like to really make sure that I'm using touch points throughout the process to nurture those people, not just say, okay, you're on my list, buy some shit. Like that's, like that's what a lot of people do though. I'm taking you through this process. I'm making sure that I'm warming you up for the sale. And then if you don't, guess what? I'm going to take you through an engagement sequence where you're getting my, my weekly stuff. You're getting my YouTube videos, updates about those. You're getting podcast updates with those, right? So you're building a relationship with me. And not enough people think about that. We're looking at people as numbers, not as people. You need to be looking at it as dating, right? There has to be a mutual exchange of value and a mutual exchange of belief systems and what have you when you establish these customers. And viewing it that way is going to help you understand what do I want to give them and how do I want to present that message in a way that leads them closer to wanting to do business with me and you giving them value, not just you making money, which is really important to look at it that way. So we talked a little bit about building relationships. Um, you mentioned dating and, and approaching your podcast as, um, you know, uh, thinking about how are you going to exchange value and, and mutual uh, benefit? You strike me as a pretty honest, straightforward guy. You even said that you were um, pretty straightforward, cut to the chase type of person. But in this next segment, called Truth and Lies. What I want you to do, Chris, is I want you to tell me three things about yourself. Two of them are going to be true. And one of them, Chris, you are going to lie to me. All right. I'm going to give myself a second to uh, gather my thoughts and then we'll play. All right. Hit me. Okay. So I wrote three down. I recovered naturally from a precancerous health diagnosis. That's number one. Okay. Number two is that when I was a kid, I was featured by ESPN and Reader's Digest. Okay. And number three is I graduated from the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Which one do you think is the lie? Uh, let's see here. I think number one is true. Okay. Um, what was number three again? 
Number three is I graduated from the United States Merchant Marine Academy in Long Island, New York. <laughs> that, that's really specific. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to say number three... Oh, this, you're good. You're good. Because um, I actually don't think tell, there's some... Don't, don't, tell you, don't tell my wife you think I'm a good liar. Because that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's not going to blow well for me. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay, so number one, I, I think is true. Okay, ESPN number one is true. And featured you. I'm going to say that that's one... That is the lie. You were not featured by ESPN when you're a kid. That one is actually true as well. Well, you know, can't win them. So I was recruited by the United (laughs) States Merchant Marine Academy for basketball and I did not end up going. Uh, So that's how I knew where it was and where it specifically was and all those details. But number two is actually true. I was actually featured in an article in Reader's Digest and on ESPN. How awesome is that? What was the article about? So there was a, an umpire, and maybe you guys, some of some you remember this, in like 96, 97, uh, opening day in Cincinnati, where I live, I grew up in Cincinnati, it was a big, big deal. And John McSherry, the umpire, actually had a heart attack and collapsed, like right in the, the beginning of the game. And the Cincinnati Reds fan, boo, they booed when they decided to cancel the game, and I thought that was really shitty. So I decided that I was going to have my whole school make, out of construction paper, sympathy cards to send to his family. I ended up getting my whole grade, not the whole school, to do it. And so the media picked up on it. The family was so overwhelmed. All of a sudden, like escalate yourself to the coolest kid in school. Get your whole grade to be able to go on a free trip to a a field trip to a Cincinnati Reds game and get to meet all the players and umpires. That's actually what happened. So we get there, we get off the bus and there's literally like news cameras and media everywhere. Dude, I'm in third grade, fourth grade. And this is all, they're all interviewing me all day long. So it was an amazing experience. Readers that I just picked on. We were getting phone calls at our house being like, Oh my gosh, I saw the Christmas, like from random strangers. I don't even know how they found us, but they were calling to say that it impacted their kids. It's actually been, the story's been used in a sermon that I saw randomly online. It's crazy. It's, it was a really wild story, man. But I will say this, it had a big influence on my life going forward because I realized if a freaking fourth grader with construction paper can make that kind of noise, I had no resources available. Imagine what a fully grown Chris can do or a fully grown person can do if they really put their mind to something and, and do something that's meaningful and impactful. And I think that really has led me down a path of, kind of, I can do whatever I want and never set my mind to kind of attitude. That is an awesome story. Chris, if, um, if people want to reach out to you, learn more about your, your business, your podcast and your, your journey, how can they do that? Yeah. So on social media at Hey CMH on all platforms, I always tell people if it's not Hey CMH, Hey, like hello CMH, then it's, it's not me or it's not something I'm active on anymore. So, um, Hey CMH is where you want to find me. Uh, the website is heycmh.com if you want to go there. For your audience specifically, we actually give a lot of podcast resources. So if people want to check that out, you can find that at heycmh as well, heycmh.com. So there's some podcast resources that we provide in terms of just how to start and run and grow a successful podcast. So you'll find those resources there as well. And my last little ask of your audience uh, is you guys don't see the behind the scenes stuff of what LZ does here. And I know because I'm a podcaster as well. And a lot of you are podcasters, so you do know. But do LZ a favor. A lot of us just forget about doing this. Subscribe and leave a review. And the reason being is that's the two most important factors that podcast apps consider when they're going to feature your show more or have you trending or whatever the case may be. So if you could do me a favor, it takes 20 seconds to do it. You can literally just say, great chat, appreciate it. Nothing else. Uh, that really makes a big difference. I would appreciate it if you do that for me. Awesome. Thank you for that. Of course. All right, and thank you again for your time, Chris. Loved it. Thanks for having me, man. 
thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Podcast My Brand. If you got value from the show, join our email list for show updates and exclusive tips on building trust, growing influence, and increasing authority with your podcast brand. Thanks again, and we'll talk with you next time.